0: time to buy in. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Now, let's start Welcome to this week's episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour, where we explore income strategies for the modern financial landscape. I'm Sean Harris. To the left of me, laying the foundation for your future, the architect of abundance, the man with the income plan, Jess, have your cake and eat it too, Hamill. (laughs) Good morning. And to my right, the pioneer of private lending. The principal of principle, the people's champion, Jaden Numero Uno Newman. Yo, Sean, Jess, good morning. Good morning. Good to be back with you guys. Welcome to the airwaves. It's good to see you guys. Good to be alive. This is my favorite time of the week. When really? I get to, yeah, I get to come sit down and make a radio show and learn a few things in the process. Well, if that's the case, let's move this thing to 7 a.m. Perfect. Get it knocked out early. Yeah. Or even better, we could maybe do like a three-hour show. How there about that? Yeah. What do you think? Man,
1: we, we need to get a, kind of a better like man cave studio set up if we're going to be in there for three hours.
0: Yeah. We definitely need, need some amenities in the studio if we're going to do that for sure. I'm down with it. I can design it. That'd be yeah? cool. Awesome. Let's do it. We'll, we'll have a brainstorming session. We'll whiteboard it. There you about go. that? <laughs> so – If you haven't listened to the show before, or if you need a gentle reminder, we are Noble Capital Wealth Management, a financial advising and income planning firm focused on helping our clients achieve financial freedom through predictable lifetime income. So last week's episode was called Good Enough Isn't Good Enough. And we talked about maintaining a little bit of flexibility in your income strategy for those rare instances where you might want to make adjustments over time. Now, obviously, anybody listening to that episode last week probably understands that when we put together an income plan, it's pretty solid, and we do take into account all of the things that are within our control and that you know we can see into the future, and that's baked in, right? Yeah,
2: it's very solid. It's predictable. It's redundant. It's got Um, contingencies. I mean, it's it's about as solid as you're going to get anywhere.
0: But of course, there are market forces and legislative forces and all sorts of different things that we can't always predict. And, you know, sometimes people's goals just change, right? Their circumstances change.
2: Life intervenes.
0: That's right. So you do have to be somewhat flexible when it comes to your income plan. So this week... I actually have two Capital Contemplations that I found, and I just – I couldn't choose between one of them. So I figured I'd throw them both in here, and Jaden, I'm going to have you read the – Who would you
2: can tell over If the the
0: better looking had any weight to it, then I'd be reading both of them.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) All right. Here it goes. Capital Contemplations. Alas,
0: I'm dying beyond my means. So – For two retirement points, who said, alas, I am dying beyond my means? Was it Oscar Wilde, William Shakespeare, or Orson Welles? Orson Welles? Shakespeare? Man, both of you guys got it wrong. It's it's Oscar Wilde. That's hard to do. You know, it sounds like I'm smart because I always have the answers to these things, but obviously I research them and put the show together, so... I know. So I right. can't get too smug be because I didn't know that before I found it when I was, when I was putting the notes together. So just there to be go. clear to Full everybody. Full disclosure. I, I'm not all knowing. You know. <laughs> so you want to read the second one for us, Jess? Sure. If you're not first, you're last. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my notes here. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> get busy living or get busy dying. For two retirement points who said get busy living or get busy dying was it dean kuntz stephen king or tom clancy i gotta go with clancy on that i'm gonna go with clancy you're both wrong nope. again guys there will be no retirement points allocated to either of you guys this week i did make that one a little bit a little bit difficult I've kind of obfuscated it just a little. Get busy living or get busy dying. I would have thought would be more of like a Johnny Cash sort of thing. Maybe <laughs> right. you know that's what it sounds like to me. But in any case, who said it? It was Stephen King.
1: Oh, okay. Wow, I missed it. Yeah, Stephen was, King. Well, he didn't yeah. say it. So
0: yeah, I was just going to leave you guys hanging. It's more fun that way. <laughs> Or make you Google it. Yeah. Well, I threw you off though, didn't I? Yeah. But no phones in the studio, so you can't Google it in here. So You got to admit, I got you. Yeah, yeah. You got me. You got me. So this week's episode is called Not Just for Dying Anymore. And we're going to talk about Jess Hamill's favorite subject, life insurance. Oh, I thought you were going to say motorcycles. Oh, well. That would have to have a, a different title, but we can do an episode yeah, where. Depending we're on the about. motorcycle, that could be pretty closely related. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So, life insurance, you got to have it, right? I don't know that you have to, but it's probably a pretty good idea for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And uh, I know that you like life insurance. Why do you like life insurance so much? Because I figured out a way to use it without having to die to uh, benefit from it. Ah, uh, okay. So, that's a little teaser. We're, we're going to hold that one back a little bit. But that's why life insurance is not just for dying anymore, and I think really most people's perception of life insurance is death benefit. Death benefit. Yeah, it should be called death insurance. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
1: exactly. You got life insurance, Jaden? I have death insurance and life insurance.
0: Perfect. Yeah, yeah that, that's awesome. You got no, I
1: mean it. what what Jess is saying is 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 right on. You you know a lot of people don't know this, and it, it is kind of a play on the name life insurance, but you now can use a life insurance contract to insure yourself while you're living, and it's not only for a big lump sum death benefit that that would come in. It's actually insuring insuring
0: yourself to have some retirement income. Yeah, and that's something most people have no idea that you can do. Uh, Maybe not most people, but I would say a good chunk of people just think it's the death benefit. So before we get into how you can... How it's not just for dying anymore. Talk a little bit just about how a typical life insurance policy works for some people out there that may not be familiar.
2: Well, I mean the fundamental concept that came about in the mid-1800s back when traditional relationship, you had a man and a woman, 14 kids at the house. The guy worked. The lady took care of everything, and if we lost the guy, then she had a real big problem. So it was income replacement. You know, We can't replace a life, but we can hopefully replace income. Um, that has now evolved into ways that we can overfund it and use it for something that doesn't require us to die to get from it. But in the end, most of the time, the death benefit is is replacing income. And They call it life insurance, but I can't replace a
1: life. It's mostly for income. Income insurance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, most and our listeners get that. I mean, you pay your premium in uh, when you pass away, you get a you get a death benefit, and yeah. there's all more kinds, than what you put in. That's more than point. what you put in, there's all kinds of different contracts. The life insurance company is taking on the burden of, of taking that premium and investing it, and and that's how they make money. You know, they charge some fees on their contracts, but that's not how they make money generally in, on fees. That that doesn't even cover their overhead. The way they make money is by investing that money and taking that investment risk off of you, and then in exchange, they provide a guarantee to you. Yeah, it's, I'm surprised. I'm
2: not as surprised anymore, but it's surprising to me how many people don't really understand the fundamental concept of it and how many intelligent, successful people come in that think that it's more of a Ponzi scam, that premiums go into a bucket and then when somebody dies, premiums come back out and we just got to keep bringing more people in and that's absolutely not the case whatsoever.
1: Well, yeah, and the number one reason why is because they're heavily, heavily regulated. Yeah. Um, we, we, we learned this early on in our careers, but life insurance companies are regulated at the state level so like in texas it's the texas department insurance texas department insurance and um they they've they're very accountable um to compliance and reporting so it's it we we feel very good about uh, life insurance as a option for for our clients because these accounts are are heavily overseen and also, these are huge financial institutions, some of the biggest in the world. The oldest, biggest, most conservative, most successful investment companies on the planet are live
2: insurance companies. That's right. And the Texas Department of Insurance is way more concerned about the consumer than they are about you or me
0: or the insurance company. So I, I sleep very well at night putting people in insurance products. Well, there you go. They they are actually a really stable way to, to you know ensure income and, and you know ensure something for whoever you leave behind as well. So they're kind of like multi-pronged. You know, we have a lot of knowledge about that type of stuff, and we also just have a lot of knowledge about general income planning. And one way that you can connect with us and learn more about our approach to income planning is you can come to one of our dinner and discussion events where we kind of talk about income planning. You can just go visit noblecapitalradio.com. We have one coming up May 21st at Flemings. You can RSVP right there on the page. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
3: Talk 1370.
0: You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Welcome back to the show where we've been discussing Jess's favorite subject, life insurance, and some of its traditional uses. Before we dive back into it, I wanted to tell you guys I did something for us for the radio show this week, and I actually set up a way that people out there listening can get directly in touch with us. I've set up a new email address. It's radio at noblecapital.com. So if you folks listening out there have any questions about this episode or past episodes or just income planning in general or maybe some motorcycle questions there or some go. some uh, lake life questions, fishing for Jaden, that sort of thing, just email us at radio at com. That comes directly to me, and I'll see it.
2: That's a pretty complicated address, man. You could
0: come up with something more basic than that. I, I know. Uh, yeah. The Noble Capital Radio, our radio show at Noble Capital. No, radio at Noble Capital.com. And we also like feedback, but particularly compliments. So just feel free to get in touch if you have any questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to compile these questions into our next listener questions episode. Compliments are good.
2: Yeah. I recently had direction from somebody that said uh, constructive criticism. Wait, what do you say? Uh, feedback is appreciated criticism will not be considered or something along that line so yeah
0: well in the way of that was, com- that was a creative way in the way of compliments I, I like Jaden's shirt it's <laughs> thank you Sean. it's it looks very good on you. I like it like it's awesome. a little big for me though yeah well <laughs> Jaden's big dude he' is a big dude yeah so life insurance guys before we get into some of the non-traditional uses which we've been teasing out a little bit here. I'm curious about taxes and and how is life insurance taxed, like, for instance, if there is a death benefit payout? So that that
2: kind of forms the foundation for one of the many reasons why we are able to use it for other than death benefit. But to answer your question, it's not taxed in almost all cases unless we specifically do something that ends up making it taxed. But the IRS was formed in 1862 – um, life insurance became mainstream, recognizable in 1850. Um, IRS really didn't do much until the early 20s. But when they did, when they were trying to figure out where can we go grab money, they said, let's not pick on widows. You know, They still were in that fundamental basis of life insurance. Somebody just died. This is a payout for a widow most times. So let's just not tax it. So the laws are written very specifically, and it's especially relevant that life insurance existed before the IRS. So the way the rules are written, they're never going to be able to tax life insurance. Okay. So we take advantage of that, and that'll become apparent when we move on to the next part of it. But
0: so, life to answer in- your question, that's how how's it taxed? It's not life insurance predates the IRS. It does. I thought the IRS has been around since the beginning of time.
2: Nope.
1: Back in uh, Abraham Lincoln's time, in some
0: form or fashion. Yeah, right. right. The, the tax. The Romans man. were doing
3: yeah, that. exactly. Go read oh, the that's, Bible. That's true.
1: So you know. That there, that is where it all starts. Just, just hit it on the head. Tax death benefits from life insurance contracts are tax free. It's a fact. Okay. Amazingly, a lot, a lot of people don't know that. But here, here's the simple reason why the the premiums you pay in are after tax dollars. So the money you've already paid in is after tax. So the IRS was willing to say, look, if if you'll pay taxes before you pay in your premiums, then because this is a, a death benefit that's there to, you know, s- replace income, support a, a spouse, a family, pay off a mortgage, we're going to allow that to be tax free, and that's just the way it is. Now, we've been able to in the, in the financial industry benefit now from a lot of different structures of these life insurances, life insurance contracts that have allowed us to do some some really neat tax planning for our clients, and that's why we're excited about it. it's why jess is it's jess's favorite subject because his clients are wealthy high net worth clients and some people would wonder well why the heck would they, would they want life insurance you know they've, they've already got plenty well, that's of money the, the first question i get the blank stare when i say do you have any life insurance well, why would i need life insurance, life insurance I die we got all
2: this big pile of cash and i consume more than i spend so. my
1: mortgage is already paid yeah. off she's you know he or she's going to be fine and and so like where what do you what do you mean uh, but it, it's a whole another world when we start talking about using as a tax play and an income play. So this is something that that we'll get into. But it's it's definitely going to be a good show for the listeners. And the details on the
2: taxable it's it's a little bit more detailed than that because <clears throat> when they decided not to tax life insurance, that was before you had the option of paying with pre tax dollars. The IRAs didn't exist, so it was always been not taxable. When they came up with pre-tax notions tax deferred IRAs etc they came up with another law that said if you pay for an insurance policy with pre-tax dollars the benefits taxable so a lot of these people have these disability policies at work takes out their paycheck before tax and then when they go on disability it's taxable so the law says very clearly if you pay for it with the pre-tax dollars the benefits taxable if you pay for it with the after-tax dollars it's not taxable and since insurance life insurance is not taxable you can't by design pay for it with pre-tax dollars so that's that's where that notion came about
0: Oh, got it. so when so say there is a husband and wife, one of them passes away, the other one receives a death benefit. what what would we typically do with that? I mean, is is that already baked into the income plan from the outset? I mean, I, I'm guessing you wouldn't just take the death benefit, pay taxes on it, and put it in your savings account, right? I mean that's a really broad question. Um, so when we got we, time. <laughs> when, when, we,
2: when we put a life insurance contract into an income plan, almost always it is to generate income. Okay? So we're drawing down that death benefit a long time. Um, okay. So by the time the spouse dies, that is replacing – let's just say we were drawing $2,000 a month out of Susie's life insurance contract as an income stream, and then Susie dies. That's $2,000 a month that goes away. But we get the death benefit that's left over. So it's hopefully going to replace the income
0: and hopefully by the time that happens, there's not much time left for the other one anyway in a perfect world. And that's kind of assuming there is some left over for the death benefit. So basically that income is kind of subtracted from whatever the overall death benefit right. would have been. And
2: there, and there always will be something left over. It's not
1: – we can't draw it all the way down to nothing. Okay. Um, so there's always going to be something left over regardless of when you die. Yeah, and okay. – and by the way, going back, so there is no taxes, um, so you don't pay taxes on it when you get it. Um, you just get the money tax free. Uh, what Jess is explaining is, you know, in, in our planning, many times we're using the, that death benefit while we're li- while we're living to pay for tax free income drawdowns. So it, it's a for- it's a form of a tax free income account. There, but with that said, you know, another big reason we use these is to deal with. Long-term care, potential long-term care cost. Where same thing, even though you're going to use it for long-term care, um, you, someone doesn't have to pass away for that to happen. You can draw it down again as tax-free income, and then use it as a flexible bucket of money to pay for end of your life expenses uh, while, while you're still living. And then okay. you know. And then the other thing we'll, we'll do with it is is some fancy uh, estate and legacy planning to To deal with even higher end tax issues that, that we can get into uh, as, as the show progresses here, okay. but everything's kind of around an income and a tax strategy when we talk about life insurance in this office. Right, okay. we'll, we'll get into the details in a minute when we talk about the long term care. I want to
2: make sure everybody understand. So, if I can draw down for income and spend it on anything I want, I could spend that on long term care. But if I specifically show a need for long term care, I get even more of an advantage out of it because I can draw more of it down and, and quicker.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Real quick, before we go to break, can you just kind of give us just a broad overview of some of the different types of life insurance? Sure. So you got
2: term insurance, which is just insurance. It's beneficial to nobody unless you die during that term, and after the term is up, typically an insurance company will renew it. But if it's a ten or twenty-year term, the premiums are going to go up. You know, a hundred times. It's 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 absurd. So it's just an insurance play. You've got whole life, which is a way to pay for it your whole life and keep the premiums level. Typically, you get a dividend from that and the cash value, and you've got some growth, but it's not necessarily significant. You've got a variable, which we're not big fans of because that's just going out to the market. And then you've got my favorite, the indexed universal life, which allows us to credit the cash value in a way that is much more predictable. It's tied to the indexes. We get all the upside. Well, not all the upside. We get a considerable amount of the upside and another downside. So it's a very safe way to – To uh, plan out that cash value.
0: Jaden, I think Jess is the only person I know that has a favorite type of life insurance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, No, my
2: clients do. Yeah. yeah? After they become a client.
0: Yeah. After they figure it out. uh, Yeah. Once they figure it
1: out, it's like, wow. I mean, Jess works some miracles with it. In the next segment, we'll get
0: into some of those uh, scenarios. Okay. Well, again, if you want to come join us at one of our dinner and discussion events, we can talk about some of these subjects, and and we we dig a little bit deeper into income planning in general. And the way you attend one is you can go to noblecapitalradio.com, and you can actually pick a date and location, and you can RSVP right there on the webpage. The next one's coming up Thursday, May 21st at Flemings. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back in just a second, folks. And now, back to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about some traditional uses for life insurance and a little bit about how they're taxed. And we've kind of been teasing out the fact that life insurance is not just for dying anymore, right? There's a lot of other ways, if you're smart, that you can structure life insurance and incorporate it into your, your income plan in such a way that you can do what? Well, that's a, that's a huge question. So, yeah, <laughs>
2: you know, the, the I basic, was looking for income. The basic fundamental <laughs> process there is is, is is use it to generate
0: income, not only income but tax-free income, but yes. Income before I die. Okay. So we talked a little bit about some of the ways you can do this, but you also mentioned your favorite form of life insurance, which is an indexed universal life policy, correct? Correct. Is Is that basically the one that you use for income? When we're going to use it specifically for income, that's usually – Nine times out
2: of ten, the one that's going to be structured favorably to make that happen, predictably. Okay. And
0: how
1: does how
0: does a uh, index universal life
1: work? I'll take a stab at it. In, in layman's terms, this is the way I love to to think about it. I, I have a contract for myself uh, and and my children. Uh, this is something I really believe in, so I can stand behind this. And you know, for for the listeners, this is something you definitely want to look into. But I. I would liken this to basically customizing your own pension, deciding how much you want to load up into this pension. You can pay in monthly or annually. You can pay in for as many years as you want. The quicker you load it up, the better. And then you can set your parameters and look at, okay, if I pay in X amount over X many years, then from age 60 to 90 or 65 to 95 or whatever that is that you want to set up for that income stream then you're going to be able to draw down X amount of tax-free income as one of your paychecks coming into your your income plan okay. that we build for you. So it becomes one of those predictable sources of income that's tax-free. So in a nutshell, I would say that that's how an IUL works. There's a lot more bells and whistles and features, some customization around how it grows, how you allocate it, um, how to maximize income and minimize the death benefit, or if death benefit's important, you can maximize that, and we can just go on and on, um, you know, about all the ways you can customize it. But with pensions being a thing of the past, our clients are looking for ways to set up predictable income, yeah. And th- this is one of our go-to vehicles uh, from
0: you know several of them. You can
1: count them on about on about one hand.
0: Okay, so can you give us a little bit more color, Jess, onto why? It is your favorite sure. life insurance policy so, I mean, specifically. You can, you can do what's called a custom
2: whole life, which is an overfunding of a whole life policy. But the limits on that because of the way it's structured with dividends um, and the, the way it's credited back in the insurance company, you're somewhat limited. Um, with indexing, all we're really doing is we're paying more into the policy than we have to to cover – the premiums for the death benefit. So the additional money is now being invested in one of several ways. So when we index it, we're not really investing in what the insurance companies are doing their own investment. We are tying our return to an index. So the insurance company can do fantastic. They can do not so great, and that has nothing to do with my return. It's based on the index. So if we tie it to, say, the S&P 500, that's the best – the best 500 performing large cap stocks in the market i mean so theoretically that should be the best return we're going to get mm-hmm. and we can get anywhere from 9 10 11 percent um, before it caps out on that with a floor of zero so one strategy is the annual point to point we look at the index on the day the policy is issued look at it again a year later if the index is up we get all the upside up to the cap um there are also participation rates there are different ways of monitoring that but if that ends up <clears throat> being a, a break-even or a negative number, we just don't make anything that year. We never go down. So when the rest of the market is losing money, the next year when it comes back up, we start from scratch and immediately go up. Everybody else has to make up their loss before they start going up. So that's that's why I like the indexing feature of it. It also is more flexible on how much I can overfund it, um, and I also have the ability to take money out and put it back in. So it's almost it's almost like a reverse line of credit. There's a like I said, I could go on and on forever on that, one, but that's to me. For what we're trying to do, especially when we're talking about writing policies on people in their 50s and 60s, the way it's structured, the way we're allowed to overfund it, that's the one that works out the
0: best. That's awesome. Well well said. That, that almost seems like cheating the stock market. I mean you, you have a floor of zero, so you never lose. I mean – that's that's crazy it's pretty cool right yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, I when, I, ex- in, when I explain in. it to people I get I get
2: back all the time well why isn't everybody doing this I'm like well everybody that comes in my office is doing it it's just a matter of knowledge right yeah
1: it's great uh, yeah. you lock in your gains never go down um, it, and, and again there's m- multiple features this is something for listeners you do have to get approved so you have to go through a little paramedical health exam mm-hmm. so you know that that's one of the downsides is not 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 all of all the clients get approved for it. But usually, if we have one spouse that that's healthier than the other, we can always write it on that spouse. It's not really about who gets the death benefit. This isn't a death benefit play. We're 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 going after that tax free income. Yeah. So you know, another thing, Sean, that came to mind when you were talking earlier is, I've seen Jess do this with life insurance too. I'm kind of going off the the income approach that we just talked about, but. You know, If a client comes in and wants to leave a million dollars to one of their children or, or, say, all their children, and they just want to make sure that absolutely happens, Jess has the ability to to take some, some of their assets, and it might be a few hundred thousand, just making up numbers, mm-hmm. and pay it into a life insurance contract where that death benefit, that $300,000, is going to turn into a million dollars tax-free to their children. So you get that out of the way. And then you didn't have to worry about you know managing your money so that you had exactly a million dollars left, and then potentially triggering tax consequences when you pass on you know cash or your assets, uh, where, where you know this is an absolute tax-free death benefit, and you can just make money go further with life insurance. So it?
0: so basically, it's like a legacy play, and you're you're carving out whatever you want to leave behind at the outset, and then and leveraging it up. Yeah, and leveraging it up, and then everything else is what you have that you're going to work with for your your income plan. Right. Basically, so and and you know, there's there's three or four different instances where that that comes into play. But let's
2: just say we'll, we'll go big here. Let's say we have a twenty million dollar portfolio with a fairly conservative, not extravagant couple for spending a couple hundred grand a year. They're never going to spend all that, no matter what they do. They are never going to spend it. So if we look at it and say, even with every contingency that we can possibly think of, in the end, there's a Three million dollars that you're just not going to spend. It's going to pass down anyway. Single premium life insurance policy, and that three million becomes twenty million overnight. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, done deal, and wow. we still have access to it. Um, if if we get into a situation where something goes horribly wrong and we need to get some money back out of it, it's still there. Wow. The other one is the hedging uh, against the you know the estate taxes. I've seen that in in, oh, yeah. in my time. It's been. Super ridiculous, nothing, super ridiculous, reasonable I amount. Mean, I think any amount's not reasonable. Mm-hmm. But depending on – It's already been paid for. Or
0: yeah. Like I,
2: I work. I make a dollar. I pay tax on it. I got 80 cents and I leave it to my daughter and now she's got to pay 40 cents. That makes yeah, no sense to me. to me. That's crazy. But depending on, on who's in office, you know, there's uh, – you know, for a 50-year-old, you figure they got a good 30 years left in them and at least. That's several changes back and forth on administration. Then we're going to see estate tax go up, go down, go up, go down. So where are you going to be when it happens? Who knows? So – a lot of times we'll do a policy specifically to cover cover the estate tax. If we end up having it, and if not, then
1: we pass it on down and we leverage it up either way. And what yeah. he's saying there is, you know, the when the kids are going to actually receive that that death benefit with the purpose of paying any estate taxes that are due to offset that money getting a forty percent right. haircut. So yeah. if if you know if you leave your your child. Uh, you know, $10 million and they have to pay $4 million to, to the IRS, you know, that's not cool. That I mean that, that's that's your, that's $4 million of hard-earned money, mm-hmm. whereas you could leave them the, the, the money to actually pay the taxes so they they stay whole with the $10 million tax-free, you know. Uh, yeah. and, and we get to double-dip on that. So not only does the premium that
2: goes in generate a tax-free benefit that will pay off the tax, the money that went in is less that they're going to receive – in the estate to pay tax on in the first place.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So these these when we start talking about estate planning and in tax planning around life insurance, these are the scenarios you see, and it's it's an amazing um, it's an amazing tool that the wealthy families, even the wealthiest families, you hear uh, load up on life insurance, and that's actually how a lot of their wealth gets transferred through life insurance contracts to
0: the next generation. Uh, t- Tax-free, so secrets of the trade, man. It, it really is. My mind is blown hearing <laughs> you guys because these, these are a lot of things that you know people just don't think of when they they think of life insurance, and it's certainly not something that most people are, are even privy to at, at all. Which is exactly why you need a financial advisor to set up your income plan. And from a death benefit play, I mean that's nothing new. Um,
2: we had a client that came in, I don't know, about a month and a half ago. we would actually just closed him, delivered his policy. But he was reading a book, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was comparing how the Rockefellers and one other well-known wealthy family um, had planned out everything. And he, he came in. Already hot on the notion of life insurance because that's how the Rockefellers were were, were transferring wealth and covering estate tax and yeah. building wealth and, and everything else. That's so,
1: right. And you read about the Forbes family. That's another one that that really leveraged life insurance. Uh, you know, we're obviously not talking about like just a basic term life insurance policy. Or, right. You know, when we're having these conversations, yeah. we we can offer those, but it's very rare that we write you know a, a term life insurance contract. The, these are our wealth building and tax planning tools, um, and it, it'll really open your world up, you know, to a to a whole new uh, view of what life insurance is all about. There's, you know, there's there's an interesting uh, point I want to make too, guys, is that we see clients come in that already have life insurance contracts, and maybe you got it ten years ago, you know, maybe you got it twenty years ago, maybe maybe you just got it, but. One of the things that I've seen Jess do is is break down and analyze an existing life insurance contract where there's money locked up in that contract, and, and actually order enforce illustrations and show a client how this is going, how this contract is going to you know perform. Mm-hmm. Compare that to maybe a more advantageous product um, that that he has access to, and you can actually transfer the money out of an old contract without taking a hit. You know, we we don't want to see you take a hit that doesn't make sense, but just transfer it right over in what's called a ten thirty five exchange. Ten thirty five exchange, not to be confused with a ten thirty one exchange in real (laughs) Real estate, estate. but they they have a ten thirty five exchange in life insurance. So there, that money would go right into a new contract and begin working, and that would jumpstart your policy in the beginning. And it's a, it's a huge jumpstart because when we're
2: funding a life insurance contract, the trick is to get the money in as fast as we can. So obviously it's growing sooner. But the IRS says, eh, you can't get too carried away. So there's limits on how much we can lump in up front. But if it's coming out of another life insurance contract, we can supercharge it big time. And that really gets it jumpstarted.
0: Yeah, and the yeah the the bigger advantage you have at the very beginning, the the more you're going to realize toward the end. Yeah, too. I mean the growth so all starts just, on the bigger amount. Up yeah, front. absolutely. Uh, just real quick before we go to break, you had mentioned an indexed universal life is indexed on the S and P 500. Can it be uh, tied to other? Yes, indexes? So, I mean that's
2: that's <clears throat> that's the old tried and true. There's about ten to thirteen different ways that we can allocate that. Some are to The same indexes just tying it a different way. But what we do is we, we do a 40 year look back uh-huh. and we take the actual true performance of these indexes, we mathematically introduce into them the cap four we're dealing with, and then not only we look at it over 40 years, we look 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, and 40 and make sure those numbers are tight and enlisted in, in order of historical performance. The P annual point to point
0: always performs better. Oh, there you have it. That's that's the tried and true. Is that what you said? And yeah. <laughs> so we can change state. it every year too. So every year, you oh, have cool. The so it's flexible. You're yeah. not you're not tied into it. Well, if you want to learn more about exactly what we're talking about, you can come join us at a dinner and discussion event. We hold these a couple times a month, and the next one's coming up Thursday, May twenty first at Fleming's. That's this Thursday, May twenty first, and all you have to do is just go to noblecapitalradio.com. dot you can see the list of dates that we have scheduled and you can pick whichever one works for you. So just go to noblecapitalradio.com and you can RSVP right there on the page. When we get back, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. Top
3: 1370.
0: Once again, this is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And we are back. If you just tuned in, you have missed out on a wealth of knowledge. I think my brain just exploded in that last segment <laughs> because you guys are coming at me with all this stuff that i didn 't even know was possible with life insurance i mean it 's crazy the amount of flexibility that you have with some of these policies, so we just scratched the surface honestly uh, we 're going to have to do another life insurance episode we'll do down the series. down the road for sure for sure and I think we we, we did we did one oh, i don 't know maybe six months ago we talked about life insurance and and if you want to go back and listen to some of the old episodes, just find us wherever you get your podcasts, Noble Capital Radio Hour. So I wanted to circle back around to something that you guys kind of teased a little bit, but we didn't get to jump into it, and that is paying for long-term care. So real quick, for those who aren't familiar, long-term care is just a general Day to day care that people need, whether it's medical care or taking care of themselves and whatever respect when they get too old to do it for themselves. And my my understanding is that this is really expensive. It can be.
2: I mean, the, everything is relative, but there's a misconception amongst a lot of people, and they don't understand or find this out until it's too late. That Medicaid, or I'm sorry, that Medicare is going to cover long term care, and it absolutely does not. So Medicare is going to cover. Heart attacks and runny noses, but it's not going to cover true long term care. So, long term Mm -hmm. care is defined by the long term care industry as needing assistance with two of the six activities of daily living. So, somebody came up and said, All right, what do we do every day? Let's break it down into six things get up out of bed by yourself, go to the bathroom by yourself,
1: get dressed, move around, cook. And what's the other one, Jaden? So, it's going to be get up, get dressed, transferring, move, moving, cook. And showering, bathing. Bathing. But it's basically the stuff we do every
2: day. So if you are determined to need help or assistance with any two of those six, then in the long-term care industry, um, you're considered to need long-term care. So that's what Mm -hmm. Medicaid, that's what long-term care policies, that's what nursing homes, everybody uses that benchmark to decide
0: if you truly need long-term care. What are some of the costs? Like monthly or, or yearly on something like that, typically. I mean, the average
2: the average nursing home, I think, according to the long term care industry statistics, right now is probably six thousand ish or so a month.
1: Yeah, yeah that's,
2: that's, that's nothing that's a special. Hefty price tag.
1: Yeah, trust me, that's nothing special. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: that's that's entry level barrier. Yeah, many times sharing a room with somebody. Yeah, um, and not getting great care. And I've actually got some experience in nursing homes, like extensive experience, and I do not want to be in a six thousand dollars a month facility at all. Yeah. Under any circumstance, yeah,
1: we yeah. can. So we can uh, offer long-term care insurance to our clients. Um, we we have access to to many policies. We've just made a deliberate effort not to sell those to our clients, um, yeah. even though we would make we'd make money on it. It's it's about doing what's right for the client, and we just don't think at, at a certain level of um, of of accumulation of wealth building, uh, the people that we're attracting. They're putting themselves in a position where they don't really have to depend on long-term care insurance. There's still a couple good policies out there, but there's a lot of little gotchas where they can mess with your premiums and they can cut your benefits back. It's really not a smart money vehicle, an investment vehicle. So we, we gotcha. ascribe to a, a self-insure approach. And this goes back to the, our income planning, as everything does in our practice. You know, if, if you have a solid lifetime income plan – that is a lifetime income plan. The long, long-term long care happens at that last three to five years of your life. Right. We don't forget about that on the income plan. So if, if the first defense against long-term care is to have a lifetime income plan because that income that we have coming in is going to offset 80, 90, maybe 100% of your long-term care cost. So some clients elect to, to even set up a, a backup plan or – self-insure with an extra bucket of money pointed to, towards long-term care ca- uh, cost but let me guess you're, you're going to tell me that it's some sort of life insurance right that's one of them you know to, to, in,
2: for me the best way to do it is just solve it out of income and that's assuming that you're going into a nursing home so we're not talking about home health care but if i have two spouses both going into a nursing home guess what you're not paying for mortgage payments, gasoline in the car, haircuts. I mean, you have no living expenses at that point. All so the guys that are selling the long-term care insurance, you scare tactics. So, hey, you know, by the time you need long-term care, that could be $10,000 a month. Do you, need, do you have an extra $10,000 a month? And people are like, oh, my God, no, I better insure this. Well, if I'm already generating twelve grand a month for you at that point and you move out of your home and into a nursing home, you're already done. Mm-hmm. But most people are going to want to do it in their house if they can afford it um, and want a higher level of care. So that's where we can kick in the, the life insurance. Another thing a lot of people don't understand about or realize about long-term care policies, they'll see something in there, well, a maximum of $300 a day. So They think it's just automatic. It's not. How many times have you gone to the doctor and the doctor gives you a shot, bills the insurance company, and the insurance company comes back and says, okay, you billed us for 100 but usual and customary is 70 so we're only going to pay 70 so you're in the hook for the other 30 Same thing happens with these long-term care policies. So all the things that are occurring in the nursing facility, they bill the insurance company, and that's a reimbursement. And they don't always cover all the stuff. So you may have a maximum of 300 a day,
0: but you may only get 200 of it covered. I see. Well, you guys have been talking an awful lot this episode, (laughs) but I want you to put your money where your mouth is. So this is where each week my esteemed co-hosts have to come up with a phrase related to this week's episode. And I get to amuse myself by telling them how they have to deliver it. So every episode I seal the guidelines for the game in the envelope, and I open it on air so they never know what to expect. And so this episode, we've been talking quite a bit about death in the subject of life insurance. So if I stump you this week, the next week's episode, you have to do the entire episode in your best death metal voice.
2: Oh, I could do that.
0: I thought yeah. you were going to say
2: like an underwear or something.
0: The whole episode. You can do though. both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does every that's weekend. That's what he's doing right, right
2: now. For those of you at yeah. home, who at can't home see playing him. Black Sabbath in my underwear. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference? Come
1: down and see him. We'll, we'll tell you the location. He's going to do a special show for us. All, right. All right. Well, I've got the Sean
0: Velop. Let's let her rip. So this week, there's not any word count requirements, but you have to incorporate some variation of the word death, die, or dying, but you can't use it in reference to the death of a person, especially me. Hmm. Incorporate some version of the word death into however many words you want to sum up this week's episode. You ready? Let's do it. While the guys are racking their brains trying to put this one together, I just want to remind you that you can learn more about us at noblecapital.com. Check us out on Facebook, at Noble Capital, on Instagram, at Noble Capital Radio, and you can download every episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, I know this one was difficult, but that's your time. What do you got for me?
1: Want me to fire away? Let's hear it, Jaden. Okay, I don't know how many words I have, but here we go. With life insurance, you can hack the two guarantees in life, death and taxes.
0: Oh, oh you know man, that was
2: awesome. The danger of letting him go first because mine was kind of along those lines. So let me uh, let me just impromptu here. Okay, <laughs> um,
1: make something up.
2: Yeah, one of the many uses
0: for life insurance is avoiding the death tax. There you go. That's perfect, and that that is one of the things that we use it for among many. You know, when you're dead, you, you can't enjoy that money. Nope. And you want to be able to set it up in a way that you can, if you want to, enjoy it. You know, and that's you know one of the reasons that. Life insurance, it ain't just for dying anymore. That's the Noble Capital Radio Hour for this week. I'm Jaden. I was going to say that, but I'm Jess. And I'm still Sean. And remember, (laughs) life is short. Plan to enjoy it. We'll see you back here next week.
3: All opinions expressed by the speakers on this radio program are solely the opinions of those speakers and do not reflect the opinions of Noble Capital, Acute Financial, Streamlined Funding, or their respective affiliates. Each speaker's opinions are based upon information the speakers believe to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Each speaker's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. The information discussed on this radio program is provided for general informational purposes only, does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you, and should not be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice on any subject matter. The information discussed in this radio program is not intended and should not be viewed or construed as a recommendation, advice, offer, or inducement to buy, sell, or hold securities, insurance products, or any other financial products. Before acting on any information discussed in this radio program, you should seek appropriate financial, investment, and other professional advice based on your particular facts and circumstances. Current or past performance is not indicative of future results. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed on this radio program. No outcome or profit is guaranteed. Any transmission of information through this program is provided on a non-confidential basis and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you or anyone of Noble Capital, Acute Financial, or Streamline Funding. Some information provided in this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. Such information is included solely as a convenience to you, and the provision of such information does not imply a responsibility for such third-party information or an endorsement of the linked site, its operator, or its contents. Acute Financial and Streamline Funding are both wholly owned subsidiaries of Noble Capital. Noble Capital, Acute Financial, Streamline Funding, and or their respective affiliates and principals, which may include the speakers and guests featured on this radio program, may receive compensation from the sales of financial products featured in this program. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is strictly prohibited without the prior written permission of acute financial, noble capital, and streamlined funding.